This episode deals with pregnancy loss and losing a child. So please take care while listening. And if you need support, we've put some links in the show notes. A listener production. It's the kind of loss that most of us can't fathom. I think most of us are afraid to look into the darkness, but once they actually do, they find that there's so much beauty and so much light and all you need to do is shine a light on something to find that beauty and that wonder and that magic. And that's my hope, that people actually start to look into the darkness and find the beauty on the other side of it. Today on Feed, Play, Love, a new place to protect and nurture mothers who've lost a baby. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Grief is a curious thing. It's such a universal human experience, but it's one most of us don't know what to do with. We don't know what to do with our own grief or the grief of others. This is particularly true when it comes to the death of a baby or a child. Georgie is the mum of five children with one in heaven. She's just launched a website for mums who've lost a child. It's called Angel Mama House. Hi, Georgie. Welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Why did you feel compelled to create this space for mums? It um, it was more of a, a vision and a mission that I had very early on when I first lost Amelia. I knew that this would this was a catalyst for something bigger than I could comprehend. Even in the moments just after losing her, I just I knew that there was something bigger at play and it became quite apparent over the following weeks that I would be helping other mums and it has taken that long, I guess, of me doing my own healing, my own um, learning, my own research, my own training in different modalities and I also knew that I needed to find someone else to do it with because um, it, it felt like it was too big of a mission to do on my own. And so it, I guess it's always been there. So it, it literally is a vision that I've seen for five years coming to life um, because there's just, there is literally nothing out there in the way of support that I needed. Um, so what I had was a bereavement midwife who, if I needed her, I needed to reach out to her or I could go to the GP and be referred to a trauma counsellor who didn't have lived experience or go on pharmaceutical medication for antidepressant medication, which I knew that I didn't need. And I knew that I didn't need to go see a counsellor. I had been in seeing a psych- psychiatrist for five years for early in my 20s for OCD. And I just knew that no one would be able to meet me at that point where I where I had been in my heart. So um, there really is, there's a few beautiful organizations, but there's no one who meets the, the deeper healing at the metaphysical and the physical level, like combining support and finding our way back home to ourselves again. So tell me about Amelia, because I think obviously this is the catalyst, but it's also the reason for everything that's come after. Yeah, so she was the, I had a dream about her before I fell pregnant the very first time and before we started trying for babies. I had a dream about her and I I literally saw her name written out on a chalk, like in chalk, I was writing her name in chalk on a driveway 
so I knew of I, I knew of her and I would see her in little toddlers of little blonde girls with curly blonde hair and I just always knew that she was coming. And when, so we went on to have three boys, three beautiful boys, and when I had my third son, I turned to my husband and I said, um, you know, she's still coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought three was it. And he turned around and said to me, yes. I know it wasn't necessarily that I wanted a girl so much. It was just, I knew this soul. I knew, I knew she was meant to be in our life. I didn't know how profound she was. Um, obviously until I had her, we even planned to go to the States and do gender selection. Not that I know that I would have gone down that path, but I was like, I'm having a girl. So I did all of the research about, you know, when to time it right. And it turns out that that was never even needed because she was coming and it was a, a you know, a given. So I found out in, in October, 2016, I just had this, this intuition. I knew she, she said to me, I'm, I'm ready. I'm coming. And the next month I fell pregnant and we found out that she was a girl. And so our dream was coming true. I, it was the first time I had a nursery already made. My boys were, um, we, we were in between houses and building houses. So with them, I never got to have a nursery all, all finished and I had it all beautifully set up. And, um, for the last week or so, it's the first time I got like the capsule in the car on time and I had <laughs> my to-do list and I was ready to go the day that I was due with her. And but for the week or so beforehand, I just kept on feeling like not that nothing was wrong, but I just couldn't feel the excitement that I had felt, uh, you know, like for 10 years I knew she was coming in and this dream was coming true and and all of a sudden it just kind of felt, um, yeah, I, obviously at the time I didn't think anything of it until I looked back. But on the way to hospital I was in very active labour and um, I had been in labour all day and I'd been rushing around getting the boys ready. And you know you know what you do as a mum, you make sure that everyone's looked after and I we dropped them off. I was, I was By the time I actually sat down to eat something, it was about 6 o'clock and I started timing my contractions and I, I realised that they were like two minutes apart. <laughs> wow. And I said to my husband, okay, we need to go. So he grabbed the kids. I had already packed the bags. I kind of knew that we were heading to hospital, but... He'd, we'd put them to bed thinking I'd be a few hours. He grabbed them, put them in the car, and he had never driven so fast in my life. We got <laughs> to the hospital in 14 minutes and I was like holding myself up from the seat thinking, oh, my God, I feel ahead. Anyway, we were wait- We waited in, in the sort of the foyer area for about an hour. I remember looking at um, there was another lady in there and she was in a medical imaging wheelchair and her head was down and sullen and I had experienced miscarriage before so I knew that she was probably experiencing a loss so I was trying to hide my contractions from her and like at one point I think I was down on my knees next to my husband like grabbing his like going oh they need to see me soon we finally got taken in and and the midwife who I'd said like I, I was all prepared for a sacred birth and I'd been doing hypnobirthing and I wanted a water birth and this time I really wanted to do it without epidural so she was preparing that she went to get the Doppler out and just was I was by this point 10 seconds between contractions I was very far along and um, I was standing up and she was trying to get the heartbeat and uh, she was trying to get me to move and get sit lie down on the bed and I wasn't thinking anything of it she then got a, another a doctor to come in with a scanner 
and I still wasn't thinking anything of it. There was, I was down on the bed. I was just in my zone. So there was my husband, the midwife and the doctor in the room. They all kind of was, they were all a bit just still like poker faced. And then she called another doctor into the room. So a more senior doctor and she came in and I remember there was a specific point where the first doctor pulled out her walkie talkie. And it was that moment that I, I knew something was wrong and that I just blurted out what's going on. And um, that's when the more senior doctor put her hand on my knee and she said, I'm so sorry, she's gone. There's no heartbeat. And it was just, it's this moment that just everything stops. And you think, I said, what what do you mean? Like I'm clearly, I'm still pregnant. She's still there. She's not gone. She's here. Find her. And so, and then there's this like whirlwind of, I, I think my body stopped contracting. I don't, I don't know, but I didn't feel the pain and I just went into, you know, the primal screams that, um, that come out of a mother's mouth. And my husband was suddenly next to me. He had, he had my hand, my head in his hands and he just, it was like tears dripping down his face and he, cause he'd known and they had all known I was the last person in the room to find out. And he just said, it's true, she's gone. And then there was this moment of, uh, I, I explain it as in, do you remember the movie Dogma um, with Alanis Morissette as God? Oh, I um, remember of it. I don't think I saw she, it. Oh, uh, she had, at the end, she she did this big, powerful roar. And it was like the, the, the Loki and Ben Affleck and, um, and Matt Damon were like, get down, put your, <laughs> and, and put your hands over your ears. This is like roar that comes out of her. And that's the sound that came through my body uh, of this divine, like source, God, whatever you want to call it. And it just, it, it reverberated through every cell and it just said, everything is actually going to be okay. Wow. And I don't know how, but I knew that I needed to trust that. So that was literally probably the thing that I kept and I, and saved me was this, I survived from knowing that everything is actually going to be okay. And then we went on, had a more senior doctor in the, in, in the most senior doctor come in and he confirmed. And at that point I was like, get her out of me, just cut her out. And he convinced me to birth her naturally. And she was born uh, an hour or so later in the most beautiful, most sacred experience of my life. And she was perfect. She came out, she was very fresh um, and she had the cord wrapped around her head twice. And we thought that was probably the reason, but it turns out that it was a placenta issue and the placenta had pretty much just given out on the way to hospital. So she was just this, uh, this, her skin was softer than any of my babies, like just so, and I thought it was like the girl thing. I thought maybe girls and boys have got slightly different skin, but I've since had my rainbow daughter and she had beautifully soft skin too, but there was just something extra special about Amelia and yeah, like the, the most beautiful baby she had. I had feedback from the birth suite where they had said, a few people had said we were just so touched by Amelia. Like she had, she had just had this effect on the whole birth suite that night. The doctor, as she was writing the death form, had tears rolling down her face and, yeah, it was just, it was the most serene, tragic, magic experience of my life. 
and obviously the catalyst for everything else. It's like my life has been split into before and after. It's so incredible to hear you tell that story and particularly that prescience that you had during the birth and that powerful feeling that it would be okay. It seems to me that that in particular has influenced the way you have set up Angel Mama House. Are you ever challenged on that by women who haven't had that experience? Because I can imagine it must be quite unique to be able to have that sense that everything will be okay in such a devastating moment. Yeah, absolutely I have. And I'm very um, aware of that and discerning about how I, um, how I speak because I have had, I have a beautiful community of angel mum friends who I met at the time through support groups. And, and I've said this, I felt incredibly lonely, even more so because no one understood around me at the level that I understood it and the, the truth for me, and it's obviously not the truth for everyone. Um, but I would never say to another angel mama that, you know, this happened for a reason because there's no comprehension of, of that. There's, you know, for, for some women, it's, it doesn't, it's this, and they can't find a reason. And that's completely, that's their journey. I have a really good friend who, who sees it completely differently, but we are so close and so bonded, even through our differences of how we, you know, in our beliefs, like she has said to me, I just can't see it the way you see it. And I said, that's okay. I can't see it any other way either. Like I, for me, if, if there was no reason, the universe as I know it would cease to exist. And that's the premise, I guess, of, of Angel Mama House, because I truly believe that, we can live a beautiful life after loss because of our loss, not in spite of it. Like it can be the catalyst for something beautiful and and wondrous and, you know, walking alongside the fact that our babies are still part of our family. And we talk about Amelia in my family. We talk about Amelia every day. She's my boy's obviously had their own journey with grief. And I was very, I I lost my father at a really young age. I was six when I lost my father. And so I knew we never spoke about it. No one ever asked me. It was just, we, we just get on. And that's how, you know, that's how my mum dealt with it. And that's okay. But I knew that I wanted my boys to have um, a space to feel like they could talk about it and be open and, and bring her into our life. Like she's still a part of our family it has been a really, really lonely path up until I met Malane, my business partner, a year ago because I felt like I was walking a path that, that no one had walked before and I was getting cuts and bruises and all I had was my own torch. And so when I met her, I was like, oh, my God, like I, I'm not alone anymore. So she had the same, she had the same uh, attitude to that experience? Yes. Yeah, so she, I met her within a few days of her, her losing her angel Noah and um, the, the first conversation, so we were introduced by a mutual friend and the first conversation we chatted on the phone and I just, I, we both felt like we're at home and we, yeah, we had, she had the same belief that there's, obviously there's this deep, raw 
grief. And the way that I see it is that none of that is taken away. Like I, the, the rawness and the grief and the the pain and the heartache is still there. It just coexists with the beauty and the magic and the wonder of it and the grace. And so we, we knew even from that very first like phone call that we would be creating something and we didn't know how or what, obviously it's taken us a year to bring it to life. But, um, and from, for us, we just want to help others to find their healing in whatever that looks like as well. So when you say the beauty, the magic and the grace, are you able to articulate that or is it something more elusive? I was actually talking to another beautiful angel mum yesterday who who feels the same way that I do. And she said, it is, it is indescribable. I've never been able to articulate it other than there is this perspective where I feel like angel mums have had their heart kind of pulled and stretched because they have to expand so far to reach their babies in heaven. So there's this perspective of like being able to see from this expanded view and being able to feel things like emotions on a scale that is vaster. And so that is the only way that I can, I guess, describe it is that we are able to feel the depths to the depths of pain we can also experience to the depths of joy and pleasure and knowing how precious life is because I had no idea I thought stillbirth was a myth I didn't think it actually happened in first world countries and um, you know or baby loss or child loss you don't think about it until it actually happens to you and yeah, I didn't I, I just have this perspective of life just being so much more and just having that the preciousness of it. Like it, it is literally a miracle. Life is a miracle. And um, when you I, I heard an Einstein quote the other day, you can either live life as if it is a miracle, as if everything is a miracle or as if nothing is. And I just can't see it the other way now. Everything is a miracle. So would you say that, what angel mama brings or gives to other mothers in the same situation is like the support of a nurturing philosophy or a like-mindedness, a community that shares a similar vision. Is that what you would say it is? Um, We don't expect anyone to come in with the same, you know, beliefs. No one, everyone's got their own different beliefs. Our whole vision is just to provide and and create this international community where women feel safe to be heard and seen because it would shock you the way that people treat us and um there's communities i guess that you know that grief and support and and all of that but there's no community that we've found that allows you to feel seen and heard and supported in this deep nurturing environment as well as you know looking to to find ways to thrive and heal and not just sit in the grief and and sit in the, the, the depths of pain, because we get that, we get that it is, it is all of that, but we want to help and have this, you know, vision to show, show women how to, and it's not even about moving on because I don't believe that women need to move on because it's not something they move with their grief forever and onwards always. 
but it's it's more about how do you make the most of of this tragedy how do you how do you find yourself again and uh, because you're not that you're not yourself you're a new version of yourself I guess and mm. um, the next chapter of life so yeah it's this building of a hub of this deep nurturing community where people where these women feel like they're in a safe haven and it is a home it is you know all are welcome and we're you know, women who've miscarried or lost or have a child, like lost a child at any age or gestation. So it's not specifically for stillbirth. It's for any woman who feels like she just needs a, a nurturing environment to, to be heard. Yeah. So there is that community element of it. I know you also have resources on the website. What kinds of things can people access if they if they join the I guess is it subscription based or is it membership based? Yeah, so the first offering we have is um, our signature support group, which is the membership for a year, and that will include like a twelve month framework with different modules on how to. And it's not necessarily just for women who've who were raw and just recently lost. It's for people who like we're finding women who are even you know as far down the track as as we are that. They still haven't maybe dealt with their, their grief in a in all the ways. So it's a 12-month framework and hub, obviously, a community. Um, and that includes monthly healing circles, monthly like sister circles, a guest expert, and the survival guide, as well as the 12-month framework module. So yeah. it's, it, there's a lot included in it. Um, we wanted to include a lot so that we can reach as many people as we could. You mentioned just a moment ago that you wouldn't we wouldn't believe how you can be treated after you've lost a child. And I like to think that people who listen to this podcast are people who lead with their hearts and, and want to support other parents. So what would you say to someone who has a friend who's lost a child and they want to help them, they want to support them? What would your advice be to them? The first thing, I guess, is ask them about their baby. Don't assume that they're in too much pain for you to, to ask. They want to talk. Most angel mums want to talk about their baby just as if she's just had a newborn. So ask their name, ask how they, you know, ask how they are, um, even if it makes you uncomfortable, even if she cries, that's okay. She wants, she. you just need to hold her in that, meet her in that space where she is. Um, so that's the first thing is because majority of people walked away from me. I would say 90% of people looked the other way, even when I walked up to the school to drop my boys off. Oh. Most women turned their heads. And I'm not even joking, like not apart from a couple of them who knew me really well, most of them would see me coming, whisper and turn their heads because Bloody they hell. didn't know how, yeah, they didn't know how to. I, I even had someone say behind my back, I don't understand what happened. Didn't she go to her appointments? Oh, my um, God. I know. I know. <laughs> <That's really cool. laughs> wow. Um, yeah, and so people would ignore you. People would they, because they don't know. They don't know how to deal with your grief. It's so unfathomable. The w- people who would say to me, I'm so sorry, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to support you, but what do you need? And and, and most of the time they're not going to know what they need. So drop off a meal. 
And don't expect to be invited in. Drop off a meal, drop off a card, drop off a little gift, drop, you know, like check in. Even if it's, um, you know, you're, you're texting and you're not getting a reply, don't assume that that's her ignoring you. She just, she cannot even bring herself to contact you back and that's okay she will she'll come to you when she needs when 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 she's ready but don't stop don't stop checking in even if it's you know weekly or daily put a calendar in reminder of when the birthday was so that in a month's time you can reach out and say I'm just thinking of you I know that it's you know this is the first month this is the first three months whatever it is every milestone for that first year she cannot think of anything else and she just wants someone because it's for us, our world stops and everyone else's world keeps going. And I even was in the supermarket this morning and I overheard someone working there who was talking to someone he knew and he was saying about how his wife obviously was going for her scan and it just it took my breath away because he said he was so excited we're going to find out the the, the sex of the baby and I, I literally was just walking past and my heart stopped for a minute because I was like oh does he know how precious it is do, do you like and I automatically go to I hope he gets to bring the baby home because not everyone does no one no one even thinks like that but I'm still having those moments daily you know five years later where oh gosh they don't know how lucky they are to be to you know actually bring a baby home Mm. um so just yeah talk to them don't ignore them do not turn your head do not turn your head even if it makes you uncomfortable look your fear in the eye look your own fear because it's your fear it's not theirs they want to be able to talk to to everyone about their baby they want to shout their name from the rooftop if there's a mum listening to this and she has lost a child and she's feeling a bit lost, what yeah. would you say to her? I think I would say that I'm so sorry that your baby is in heaven and not in your arms and it it does get better. Just take as much space for grace that you need. So whether it's one day at a time or even one breath at a time, just take as much time as you need to re-enter into the world because you are a different person now. And we do have a survival kind of go-to guide that um, I can give to your readers for as a, as a free gift on our website at angelmamahouse.com forward slash free gift. And that is just, and it's even, you know, for anyone listening who can we have one coming for for how to support someone else but even if you download it for yourself so that you you know what to say to someone but it does get better and the bereavement midwife who came to see me the day the morning of she said to me something that has stuck with me forever and that is I'm in this position because I was in your position and I just wanted to say that you know you you're going to survive this and her saying that to me when she was, you know, she she was dressed, she had makeup on, <laughs> she looked like a normal person and she was smiling at me. And so knowing that she has obviously survived and she is now doing work that fulfills her and is it has enriched her life gave me hope that I would survive and everything would actually be okay. That's beautiful, Georgia. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. That's Georgia Hansen. She's the co-founder of Angel Mama House and there are links to her website in the notes of this episode along with the link she mentioned with the free gift. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.